Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today, we are continuing a series here on the podcast that we've titled, What Is? And this is where we explore words or phrases that you often find in contemplative circles, but may not exactly know what they mean. And where do you go to find out? This podcast. So today we are talking about cataphatic prayer. Often this is discussed as the contrast to apophatic prayer, which we discussed in episode 142. So I encourage you to check that out. But today we're talking about cataphatic prayer, which is essentially prayer with words or images. So I know it's this huge big word, cataphatic prayer, but essentially it's words or images. And I would say that at least here in the West, this is probably the most common type of prayer for people that are in any sort of spiritual or religious circle from sort of Western faith traditions. So this can include scripted prayers such as the Lord's Prayer or prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. It includes prayers that we sing. It can also include spontaneous prayers with words that we make up in the moment that aren't necessarily from a book or a song or the Bible or a religious text. And I think in contemplative spaces, I've noticed that we often talk about prayer without words as sort of spiritual practices, but gosh, prayer with words are also super important to our spiritual growth and health. And I think it's important in contemplative circles to continue to highlight the importance of cataphatic prayer. And so to quote Richard Rohr, he says, in cataphatic prayer, We use our senses, our imagination, and our emotions to engage with the divine, allowing ourselves to be transformed by the encounter. And I really like that ending piece, right? Because it's not just necessarily spitting out a bunch of words to God, although that can certainly be part of it. And I've done that quite a bit in my life. But there's a transformation that occurs as we engage with this idea of cataphatic prayer, right? Sometimes for me, as I'm dumping and laying it all out before God, this exchange happens of, wow, I feel a little bit lighter as I've named all that before the divine, and I feel helped by that. Recently, I've been going through a bunch of my old journals from over the decades. I've been cleaning out some closets, and even though I'm a different person now, it's been really interesting to go back and to notice all these different written prayers that I did over the years, and there was something to that in expressing those written prayers, and I think exchanges happened through those particular written prayers, and going back to read them and to recognize, well, there has been transformation. That situation that I was naming when I was 25 or 31 or 18, whatever it was, I'm a different person now, and I think part of that was the practice of cataphatic, of those prayers with words. I think the same can be said about singing particular songs in seasons of life. I've had maybe a different artist that has offered a word or words to me that is, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. And I've needed you to either write that via poem or song that I can then express back. And it's been very liberating and transformational. So as I bring up the topic of cataphatic prayer, I wonder what comes up for the two of you. Yeah, I really appreciate this conversation and the definition that you've given to it. I don't know that I would have necessarily, I've heard the phrase cataphatic, and I know that it's usually about words or images. And I think one of the ways that I've engaged with cataphatic prayer is by praying the Psalms and thinking about the images that are in the Psalms. But recently, uh, a friend of ours asked us if we would do a funeral for a loved one. And one of the pieces in the funeral was the song, God is so good. And so asked if I could lead this song. And so I was 
working on, in what way do you sing this in a, in a funeral? And I was imagining for myself, in what way could I bring this song forward? And so I found myself meditating and imagining God's goodness in music and in my own life, where have I experienced God's goodness? And it was super powerful because I was in a time of decision-making, exploring what is the season, this next season have for me. And so it was super helpful for me to focus on with the song, God is so good. And then I turned my attention to, and my imagination to the goodness that is actually happening in my life. Yes, I have engaged in cataphatic prayer recently that has been super beneficial and powerful in my life. Yes, what you're talking about reminds me of the connecting points that exist so readily in the cataphatic aspect of prayer. And in reality, all kinds of prayer are going to be connecting, but there are these multiple points where it can feel like, oh, we're praying this prayer together. We're singing this prayer together. And even in the midst of saying the words, God is so good, for example, right? the actual connection between us and God. And so the multi-layered connection feels so important to point out. And also, I think the meaning making that comes from utilizing words. How do we make sense of the world around us? And so, so much of utilizing words is coming around to what does it all mean? And I think we see that a lot in spiritual guidance and companioning where someone might say, now that I say it out loud, or now that I'm thinking about it out loud by telling my story, <laughs> there is this ability to get stuff out and it gets sorted. It's not just a big jumble inside. So you're talking about, oh, I'm going to journal and journal. I have found it to be like, oh, sometimes I'll throw a bunch of stuff out like that and then write a haiku at the end. Like, What was it all for? What does it mean? What is the heart of it? But those moments where oh, now I can pare it down are a result of just letting it all out. As I'm listening to you both, what comes to mind is both the personal aspect of cataphatic prayer and then also that communal aspect that I think cataphatic prayer lends itself to. So certainly talking through the working it out, the writing the haiku, et cetera, but also, again, having shared language with others in a either a singing that or spoken form too is, is so powerful. And I remember many years ago, a Catholic friend of mine saying, how much she really appreciated the liturgical prayers because she knew on a given time when she was in mass that people around the world in many languages were reciting the Lord's Prayer, for example, or some of the prayers that were part of their liturgy. And just that, that feeling of I'm not alone. And there are people literally at this moment or today that are going to be saying these same prayers in Mozambique or in Alabama or wherever it was. And just the beauty of that commonness, the communalness of that. Um, I think another thing too is the benefit of spoken, even, I don't know, even to go so far as chanting, but I talked last episode about my Greek Orthodox upbringing. And in addition to singing things, we would have sort of these refrains that we would say over and over again, almost in a chanting sort of a way. And I remember being in a context and outside of the Greek Orthodox church, and we were with a group of people and there's a scripture in the uh, revelations where it talks about holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is to come. And he invited us. He's, this is something that is being echoed in this particular verse. And so he invited us to do that. And we had, and, and it was all spoken and he had different parts of the room saying it and then being quieter and louder. And just, we probably spent 20 minutes or so on this one particular part of scripture. And he really amplified it us with spoken 
spokenness of that. And it was like brand new for most of the people in the world. We were in like our late team, most of us doing that. And just the the sense that you got of the presence of God in that moment was just really powerful. But it came through these repeated same words that we were saying in that moment. And I think there's something just really powerful about words, right? Even the word became flesh or the power of words, even in pop psychology, right? Where they talk about well, you, your words actually can bring goodness to people or can cause harm, those sorts of things. And so I think there's something to be said about, obviously, words and prayer is super important. I also really appreciate almost a flow between the cataphatic and the apophatic that we talked about in the last episode. And I don't know Again, everyone's practice is different, but I often find it helpful. And actually, now that I'm saying it, Mary Reynolds, who we talked to in, I want to say, episode 11, when we talked about embodied spirituality, she has a lot of this in, intrinsically in her work, too, where there is movement before stillness. And so sometimes like to have the words and then the stillness and then a few words, I often like that as a rhythm as, okay, let me expend some of this energy, then find my way into a stillness and a kind of intimate communion. And then what did all of that mean? I like it as a flow as opposed to two separate things, though. I don't know that's everybody's way of doing it. I think one of the things I find myself thinking about is I really appreciate the apophatic tradition and I've learned more to to swim in the cataphatic tradition. But I find myself butting up against it to some degree because of words for me are like convey truth. And truth is something that what is true for me today might not be true for me tomorrow. Like in words embracing paradox. And so to some degree, I struggle with words as a way of knowing God or sensing God or imagining God because of this importance that I place on truth and don't want to be untrue. And I, I don't want to be unauthentic. I want to be true to where I'm at now. And so I think part of this idea of whether you're cataphatic or apophatic or leaning into both, like you're saying, Christina Kaiser, I, I think of course, they both have something to offer us. But for myself, recognizing that importance that I place on truth and understanding that life is full of paradoxes. And that's a journey that we're on, right? I think that discovery that we find ourselves discovering paradoxes in our life or just discovering paradoxes in other people's lives, I think is super important to embracing both of those things. So that's something that comes up for me. It's interesting you say that because as I've been going back through my journals, it's I've, I'm having these cringe moments of, oh my gosh, you were so sincere when you were 21 and I so don't believe that anymore. Or my theology has shifted or just the way that I view the world because of life experience. And right now that would feel so inauthentic to repray those prayers, right? That's not something where it's like, oh, I want to borrow that language from that era of my life. And just coming to recognize, and I, I remember somebody once saying, like, our lives are like those Russian nesting dolls where, you know, all of those people, my eight-year-old self, it still exists within me. I don't express, I, I'm not eight anymore or 15 or 23 or whatever it is, but those are part of my makeup and those experiences and whatnot are, are part of who I am. And so I've been in this practice of, can I go back to some of those written prayers that I have and 
just appreciate them for what they are and who I was at that time and recognizing the wisdom that, that they offer. So I can hear what you're saying where I feel like words sometimes capture a particular part of our spiritual journey that we may or may not resonate with uh, continually. I think also something that comes to mind is just basically the aspects of personalities and personality types and the five love languages, which is a, a common book talking about ways that we like to give and receive love. And I think for me, words of encouragement on a human level is super important. So it makes sense that words are, are really this cataphatic prayer model is really important to me because words really matter. And I enjoy finding meaning in words and the richness of words and expressing those words back to God and to others. And again, for others, maybe it's different love languages that they have might translate differently into their prayer times. And that's something else that comes to mind as I'm listening to us today. Yeah, as you're talking, I think about, oh, how does need, when I feel particularly desperate, cataphatic prayer is probably where I'll go first. It's just how it's going to happen. But I have also noticed in kind of services, there's a lot of drama so if, if you are struggling to hit an emotion, there can be this kind of drama that plays out that gives you an open door and access to a point. I have observed it where in, in this church we've been attending, there's like this confession moment that then leads into this like pardon and then this like assurance song. And it doesn't happen with as much drama as I see in my head. But I feel like by the time we get to this assurance, the idea is like a Disney movie, like where the doors would fly open and you would feel free and light. Like you went through this confession and then you found this like God's care and love and grace and mercy followed by, woo, that feels better. And even though we're not doing it quite so dramatically in my head, I'm playing it out quite with all of its drama. And so there is something available that maybe you couldn't get out otherwise or something that it gives you, it lends to you and gives you words maybe where you didn't have words, this kind of a thing. I think another way that I've embraced cataphatic prayer in recent times is through sort of contemplative poetry and or just poetry in general and really recognizing that there's something about those words that maybe aren't coming from a a religious book or a hymnal or things like that. But boy, it just rings true, these words and allowing the artistic expression to lead me into that and being able to share that with others too, where we're collectively reading this poem together. And there's something about these particular lines or this stanza that really speaks to me in this moment. And then recognizing that I can go back to that same poem three months later or whenever it is, and a different aspect is going to ring true to me. And just the beauty of kind of the the livingness of words too and the fluidity of that and what resonates and shimmers at any given moment in that practice as well. Yes, I will say so much poetry has actually been a teacher to me to help me look at the world differently. Oh yes, the the snow does shimmer. In fact, so funny moment in our lives. Last night, the air was a little crisp and it had that kind of fall. And there's a smell to crisp air that's a little different. And as we had this window in our bathroom, and I was, Dominic, come here. Do you smell that? Can you smell the air? And he's just, you know, we're standing in the bathroom saying, can you smell that out into the neighborhood? <laughs> but it's so joyous. But I think a lot of contemplative poetry taught me how to not just go past it, how to stay with it and really experience it for a minute. I think I learned that from contemplative poetry. 
I too have really enjoyed contemplative poetry. Number one, because it engages my imagination. And I think, okay, when we, I, I lack the ability, like some people, to connect words in a way that is meaningful to heart and to spirit. And so I appreciate a poem that could connect imagery and make those words pop for me. There's one that I, a piece of poem that I've been really pondering a lot lately. And the phrase is, let the flame of anger free you of all falsity. And going back to my desire to be authentic, my desire for words to be true, but that, that really captures that desire that I have, let the flame of anger free you of all falsity. And I don't know what the flame of anger is, I, but where in my life am I disconnecting? And so using poems as prayers has been super helpful for me as well. Yeah. And then just going back to that, Richard, we're a quote from the beginning, right? That in the cataphatic prayer is we use our senses, our imagination, and our emotions to engage with the divine, allowing ourselves to be transformed by the encounter. And I think there is something about, again, I am feeling this emotion right now and being with that emotion and giving language to that to then go on to the next thing. So I, I appreciate that line of the poem, Chris. Thank you so much for this conversation. And I will just say too, this is my, because again, I, I always mix up cataphatic prayer and apophatic and what's what, because they're really like long multisyllable words. And so cataphatic reminds me of chatty. So cataphatic is words and apophatic is not. So if that's a helpful tip to you so that you can sound like you know what you're talking about in contemplative circles, I will pass that on. So word association, because again, I like words. And on that note, this is the part of our podcast where we talk about what we are into. So what are we into this week? I, speaking of words, am into the inner dialogue of my teenage child. I, it was recently one of our kids' birthdays and someone was looking for a way that they could contribute. And I was like, I don't know, maybe like treats or something. And then they said, what treats? I thought, shoot. I don't quite know what treat would be just the greatest ever. So I asked and the child said, I like those mini pretzels with a little salt, not too much salt. And I just thought that is a specificity that I was very unaware of. The mini pretzel with low salt, a little salt, not too much salt. And it has just tickled me for days ever since. So. I'm into the inner dialogue of my child. There is an important ratio to pretzel to salt, especially with soft pretzels. My middle child is really into soft pretzels and often there's too much salt. So a little salt goes a long way. That's a good That's one. Right. I am into chicken buffalo sticks. And so um, I love turkey sticks and beef jerky and all the things and, and particularly ones that don't add sugar. And recently at Costco, they had these chicken buffalo si sticks on sample. And I, I, I love the little sample people that give samples away. And they are so flavorful and good and have become a staple in our in our van. We in our council have crackers and nuts and beef sticks and all the things in there for hungry people and love that it's this high protein lane snack. So I am into the chicken buffalo sticks. Yes. When we reach into that console, we're past the point of hungry. We've reached the point of hangry and that's the emergency stash. So yeah, they are very tasty. I, I can attest to that. But that is not what I'm into. It, it, I don't know how far in advance 
that is not what I'm into. I am into the National Football League. I am into football. This week was the start of football. And so I don't just enjoy it myself, but my seven-year-old son loves football. And so we were starting to watch here in Wisconsin, we go for the Packers. And so we were starting to watch the game and my son disappeared for a minute. And then he comes back and he has a shirt off and he's got his Green Bay Packer jersey in one hand and he has his helmet in the other hand. And so then he dresses appropriately and he sits down and he is ready to watch Green Bay Packer football. And just not just Green Bay Packer, we got to watch a, a lot of games and just the excitement, the crisp air that we had mentioned earlier. I am into all of those things. Yes, you are. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, make it a great week. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.